Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Ah, bonjour. <laughs> bonjour, mes amis, mon ami. Yeah, I'm grateful, very grateful for this day. I feel extremely blessed. I am up in Maine on Deer Isle, where my family has a home. I've done many episodes of this broadcast there. I'm sure if you've been a longtime listener, you have heard me say that a number of times. And uh, yeah, I really love to be here. It's so beautiful. I love to be in nature. I'm a nature girl, for sure. And uh, so I'm going to be here for a couple weeks and then off to England for the A Course in Miracles conference there. I hope I get to see you there. And for sure, uh, please come say bonjour (laughs) when you see me at either that conference or the Boston conference. I'll be at both. Uh, later this month of May, and uh, please come give me a hug. And if you listen to my daily prayers, uh, let me know. We are prayer partners, that we pray together. These things are important to me. And just while I'm on the topic, and don't forget, uh, well, actually, I'm going to pray in, and then I'll say those things. So, ah. So we take a breath, hand on my heart. I am grateful, so grateful that the infinite love, the infinite intelligence, the pure wisdom and light and love of God is all that we are, that we are one, united. We are part of God. This is the truth of our being. And we are grateful and thankful that our mind is the mind of God. Our heart is the heart of God. Our life is the life of God. Our very being is part of God. And so this life of God is inextricable from our very nature and essence. We are grateful to come together to affirm this and remember this and partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self. We come together, the two or more gathered in the name and the nature of love to recognize the Christ, the Son of God in our awareness. This is what the Christ is, our very nature and essence. So grateful to claim it. So grateful to allow this realization to fully unwind and unfold in our awareness. We are willing, so, so willing to forget all false identification and to let it fall away and to let any attachment to the world we've made, to our thoughts about it, our attachments, to let them all be dissolved and resolved permanently back to the root cause so we never experience them again, that we are free and we walk in the world as our natural true, free selves. So grateful to call forth a healing by means of this divine dialogue to gathered, transcending time and space to be together and remember the truth. So grateful that the truth is liberating. We share the benefits with all beings because we are eternally one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 I love to pray. I've been uh, talking with lots of folks who are in Masterful Living. Uh, We do check-ins a few times a year, and I have the great honor and pleasure and joy to uh, talk with people one-on-one, hear about their experience learn about their challenges and their miracles and what's important to them. And it's wonderful, really, really wonderful to have that one-on-one time with people. 
And uh, I've also been reading all kinds of feedback that people have been sharing about my Finding Freedom Spiritual Boot Camp class that's based on living A Course of Miracles. So is Masterful Living. Everything I do is based on living A Course of Miracles. And one of the things that many people have been telling me is they're grateful that through these classes they're learning how to pray effectively, effective spiritual practice, how to focus our minds. And since we know from A Course in Miracles that all thought produces form on some level, we can produce loss, grief, sadness, despair, confusion. Certainly I have uh, experienced all of that. I've experienced all of that. I've, I've brought it forth in my mind and believed in it and made it so, so real. And now it's about using our thought and our belief to combine in a power that can move a mountain of our pain and suffering. In, uh, it's funny, uh, I, I had a great, oh, okay, before I go into that, I'm going to go back to where I was. See, this is the thing I get so distracted and forget to make the announcements. Um, but uh, it's really important to me. The reason that I go to these conferences, let me just say, so I'm going to two Course in Miracles conferences this month back-to-back weekends, flying to London for four days to uh, do the conference in Birmingham. And I'm flying to London, so I have the the pleasure of driving from Heathrow with um, friends. And uh, rather than spending that same amount of time in a layover in, in somewhere and then going on to Birmingham. So we're going to have a little road trip and that'll be fun. And uh, I'm staying over Sunday night. I get there Friday afternoon and Sunday uh, and fly back Monday afternoon. It's just a short trip uh, because I have so much going on. And um, I'm staying over in Birmingham Sunday night. So if you are going to be there and you'd like to stay over Sunday night, I'm getting a group of people together. We can have dinner. We can hang out on Sunday night. We can have breakfast on Monday morning. I'm not sure what time I have to leave for Heathrow, but um, this is why I'm going to England to be with the folks who are going to be there. So if you're going to be there, let's make sure we get some time together, have a meal together, get to hang out together, because that is the reason I'm going. I'm not going to give a one-hour talk. No, that would be crazy. So I'm going to be with you. And because when we come together, when we join together, uh, especially when we're in person, so much healing and transformation and joy and beauty can break out all over. So I I look forward to seeing you there. Same thing in Boston. So uh, I do know that there are, are tickets left for both conferences. So if you're interested, um, please do contact um, the conference organizers let them know i i said hello and uh that you heard it on the radio show that they still have some room and in boston i am going to be there wednesday and thursday night i'm going on that trip to the boston pops uh and thursday afternoon i am doing a special uh afternoon program for people at the conference it's uh the organizers are saying it's only for people at the conference they do need a head count and we're going to talk about study groups leading study groups starting study groups organizing study groups everything you want to know about study groups because 
That is a passion of mine is to support people having more study groups. And um, one of the things you can do, in case you don't know, is you can go to livingacourseofmiracles.com. We have an events calendar. So Course Miracles teachers and study group leaders can list their Course Miracles events. It's only for Course of Miracles events, no other kinds of spiritual events. Sorry, we're just making it Course of Miracles. Uh, anywhere in the world, you can list your events and your study groups. It is a passion of mine to support people in connecting together because where two or more are gathered, all heaven breaks out, <laughs> or at least it has the potential. So uh, just letting you know about those things. And uh, so I hope to see you in one of those two places. And if not, perhaps you'll be in one of my classes or one of the other in-person events that are planned this year. So I'll talk more about that later. Let's get into our topic today, which is healing from loss. Healing from loss. Um, First, let's just establish there's many kinds of perceived loss. And I have a, an, a, a saying, you know, I'm a word person, what can I tell you, uh, that I say to myself that I've been saying for a very long time, which is nothing can be lost in God because where's it going to go? <laughs> nothing can be lost in God. Where's it going to go? Another saying I have when it seems like I, um, when it seems like, oh, maybe somebody else took your stuff, took your wife, your husband, whatever it is that you think is yours, that that you think they took, uh, what I would say to myself is, what's mine is mine and ever shall it be so. Um, And I used to joke with friends when I was uh, training to be a science of mind practitioner, we would joke about uh, some of the principles we were being taught. And one of the the questions on our practitioner exam at that time was something like, is hell in a specific location? And we would joke and I would say, yes, it's wherever Paul is, my friend Paul. Wherever Paul is, that's where the hell is. But just joking, of course. Um, Hell is not a specific location, but we can invite it to break out all over our house or heaven, right where we are. It's our choice. Um, So there's all kinds of loss that I have felt myself and have worked with many other people who are experiencing a sense of deep loss. Uh, And it's, I think, one of the most intense things that we experience in our human life uh, when we're identified with the ego and not with the spirit. And uh, I have over my 19 years of counseling people, uh, supported people who are grieving a sense of loss over they've lost their job, their house has burned down, or it's been decimated by a flood, or they've lost the use of their legs, or their arms, or their eyesight, or they've lost the use of their clear thinking mind, or they've lost a loved one, a child, a parent, a spouse. Uh, That's the thing about this human experience that is uh, a mix of frustrating, terrifying, uh, saddening experience when we're identified with the ego that There's this multiplicity of loss that, in a sense, is hunting us or haunting us. So we can transcend these beliefs and these attachments. It is quite challenging 
to the mind and the thing to hold in our awareness is that everything without exception works together for our good everything without exception has come to bless us has been gently planned by one whose only interest is our good and as it says in the development of trust manual for teachers just paraphrasing here that it takes great willingness to recognize that everything is helpful including every seeming loss so for me one of the other words that helps me with grief and loss experiences is to say it's a seeming loss and then I say to myself because where can it go if God is all there is can it be lost in God it's only in my mind that it appears to be a loss so in uh Chapter 11, Section 3, it's entitled From Darkness to Light. And it begins this way. It says, when you are weary, remember, you have hurt yourself. Your comforter will rest you, but you cannot. So you cannot rest yourself. You cannot really heal yourself. So... When we're weary and we're exhausted and we're grieving and we're sad and we're tired and we're rolling around in that sense of loss that feels like a burn victim standing in a high wind, let us turn to the Holy Spirit for comfort. Let us turn to our elder brother, teacher Jesus, not just for comfort, but for healing healing the splinter in our mind that is telling us that this is not good, that this is a loss, that this is bad, that we're being punished, that we're being tortured, however we might be thinking about it that is not helpful. These thoughts are coming up into our awareness for healing. The seeming loss is to help us release the attachments in our mind that are the cause of our suffering. We don't have to know how to release the attachment, but we can be willing to allow Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the angels, Mother Mary, the quantum field of perfect love to do the heavy lifting. Whenever we think someone is wrong and we are so right and it pains us to think that, let the Holy Spirit undo all the consequences of our wrong decisions. I must have made a wrong decision because I am not at peace. And we can let the Holy Spirit undo all of our wrong decisions so that it can be Every, every choice that we've ever made that has upset us, all the consequences can be undone. All the consequences. Imagine. It's, it's impossible, really, to, to grok it, to comprehend it. So we just have to accept it. And that is the way a lot of things are in this world. So he says here, when you are weary, remember you have hurt yourself. Your comforter will rest you, but you cannot. You do not know how, for if you did, you could never have grown weary. So this is where we must forgive ourselves in order to end the suffering. We must forgive ourselves for having caused our suffering. Unless you hurt yourself, you could never suffer in any way, for that is not God's will for his son. Pain is not of God, for God knows no attack, and God's peace surrounds you silently. 
So the peace is there just beyond our interpretations, the illusions and delusions of our interpretations and the meaning we make of things. And this includes when our dog has died, our cat is threatened with cancer, our child has been killed or is dying, whatever could be going on that is extreme intensity for our personality. There is a way to rise above that inner battleground and we don't have to understand it or comprehend it. We just have to be willing to say, give me rest. I will choose rest. And one of the things that we can do in that moment of torment and turmoil, pain and suffering, like the burn victim in the wind, in that moment we can look at, is there something about suffering and being in agony whether it's physical, mental, emotional agony, could even be financial. Is there anything about it, anything about that drama that we like? Does it bring us to life? Because that is how the ego operates. The ego can seem so alive and so energized and so dang important when extreme upset is occurring. And you see, the ego is nothing. But when we're identified with the ego, like a, a person putting their hand into a puppet and giving that puppet energy, the ego comes alive when we think those ego thoughts. Without us choosing to think those ego thoughts, the ego is nothing. It is inert. It has no power. It is without any strength. It only seems to be powerful when we give it our power by our attention. Jesus goes on to say, God is very quiet, for there is no conflict in God. Conflict is the root of all evil. For being blind, it does not see whom it attacks. Yet it always attacks the Son of God, and the Son of God is you. God's Son, it's all humanity. That's the Son of God. God's Son is indeed in need of comfort, for he knows not what he does. Believing his will is not his own. The kingdom is his, and yet he wanders homeless. At home in God, he is lonely, and amid all his brothers, he is friendless. Would God let this be real when God did not will to be alone himself? And if your will is God's, it cannot be true of you because it is not true of God. So how can we be lonely, surrounded by our brothers and sisters? And yet it's very common. People have told me, so many people have told me they are desperately lonely. Many people sit and drink alone in shame and I used to do that. We sit and ponder alone in shame, making our beliefs about ourselves, about life, about everything so real. And to that, Jesus would say here, chapter 11, section 3, paragraph 3, he says, Oh, my child, if you knew what God wills for you, your joy would be complete. And what he wills has happened. For it was always true. When the light comes and you have said, God's will is mine. Then you will see such beauty that you will know it is not of you. Out of your joy, you will create beauty 
in God's name, for your joy could no more be contained than his. So let us do exactly what Jesus is telling us there. Create beauty in God's name. The bleak little world will vanish into nothingness and your heart will be so filled with joy that it will leap into heaven and into the presence of God. I cannot tell you what this will be like, for your heart is not ready. Yet I can tell you and remind you often that what God wills for himself, he wills for you. And what God wills for you is yours. The way is not hard, but it is very different. Yours is the way of pain, of which God knows nothing. All right. Gosh almighty, here we go. We're in it. We're in the thick of it. I'm Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're living the love, we're walking the talk, and I will be right Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. Oh, sorry, I am trying to shut off my speakers so I don't hear weird noises. Um, <laughs> so... Fear, grief, loss. We fear the grief, we fear the loss. I know for me, um, this has been a major issue in my life. Uh, when I was younger, uh, my grandfather died, my uncle died, and these were deeply upsetting to me. And traumatizing, deeply traumatizing. And you all probably know that my mother died in 2008 and she was sick for a number of years uh, with a terminal diagnosis. And so I walked that journey with her and my dad. And uh, my best friend died not too long after that and suddenly uh fairly suddenly and that was very traumatizing too and yet with all of the the loss that I've had let's say um in the last 10 11 years I've been shocked with how quickly I've been able to recover uh, and I attribute it to my walk with the Holy Spirit and to my practice of releasing attachments. So you may have heard me say that Buddha taught about attachments uh, coming in two, I call them flavors, two kinds of attachments, uh, cravings and aversions. So cravings are we want, we need, uh, we are identified with, dependent upon, and it is not the way of the ego, it is not the way of this world to be in a relationship with anyone, even our home, our cat, our friend, our lover, whatever, whoever it might be, it is not the way of this world to be in a relationship, an intimate, important relationship without attachment. Attachment for many people, the kind of craving, needing, wanting uh, attachment is how we know we really love and care if we are identified with the ego. I remember years ago, 
uh, I had a boyfriend that uh, was going away for the weekend and he drove off, called me five or six hours later and said, I miss you already. Do you miss me? And I didn't. It didn't occur to me <laughs> to miss him. I knew he was going to come back in a few days. I knew he'd have a good time. I'd have a good time. All was well. We'd have a good time when we got back together. Missing did not occur. When I first left Los Angeles in 2014 and started moving around, which I've been doing uh, most of the time for the last five years now, um, people, a couple of people in L.A. would say, I miss you, I miss you. And I knew that they were wondering if I missed them, and I didn't. But it's not because I don't love that I don't miss. I don't miss because I don't feel separate from. I have a number of very, very close, good, good friends that I don't get to see very often, and, but I don't miss them because I feel them with me 100% of the time. I do, I do. I take them with me everywhere I go. So more intimate than the clothes I'm wearing, I feel that connection with them. So it doesn't make sense to me on a certain level to miss them. But I could definitely relate to, uh, wouldn't it be nice if we could sit and make a meal together, have a meal together. Wouldn't it be nice if we could uh, go out to a restaurant or go for a walk in the woods or whatever it might be and hang out together? It's so lovely to do that. Yes, it is. And it's about being present in the love opportunities now. But you see, the ego thought system is so much about separation. I mean, it's entirely about separation, of course. But it's constantly feeling separate from the connection, even when the person is right there. Right? Feeling separate from them. Feeling disconnected from them. But instead of trying to connect to the person, let's all just connect to spirit. So that's one of the primary things that people come into my classes looking for is how can I have a closer walk with spirit? How can I feel more connected to the infinite, to intuition, to inspiration, right? So that's what my classes are all about is learning that, how to feel really deeply connected with spirit because then we're not lonely. Truly, we're not lonely. Jesus tells us in the course, you may be feeling lonely, but you will never be alone. It is not even possible. I am always with you. The angels are also always with us. There is a whole team always with us. The thing is, is that it's just like the married couple who are like two ships that pass in the night. They're roommates uh, abiding in the same home together, disconnected. We do the same thing with Jesus, the angels, the infinite field of love, intelligence that is always there for us. Yes, indeed. Yep, that's what we do. This need not be. I hear in my head, this need not be. So going back to chapter 11, section 3, which is entitled From Darkness to Light, paragraph 4, the way is not hard, but it is very different. Yours is the way of pain, of which God knows nothing. The way is hard indeed and very lonely. It's lonely seeming. It's lonely feeling because that is the result of separation thinking. He says, fear and grief are your guests, and they go with you and abide with you on the way. But the dark journey is not the way of God's son. Walk in light, 
and do not see the dark companions, for they are not fit companions for the Son of God, who create who was created of light and in light. The great light, capital G, capital L, always surrounds you and shines out from you. How can you see the dark companions in a light such as this? If you see them, it is only because you are denying the light. But deny them instead, for the light is here and the way is clear. So the dark companions, sadness, loneliness, grief, hurt, anger, resentment, death, these are the dark companions. They have no power. They are not real. What's true is the light, and we are part of that light. Now, in in looking at loss here and healing from a loss, in my experience, the number one tool we have is to give the thoughts of loss, the affirmations of loss, the belief in lack and limitation and death to the Holy Spirit for healing, to undo all the consequences of our wrong decision to think those thoughts and to believe that they're true. Give all of that to the Holy Spirit for healing. I've said a number of times when my mother passed away a month later, I was returning to Los Angeles. My father took me to the airport and we were having lunch before I got on the plane. And he said, it's hard to believe your mother's gone. And my response was just very natural. And I said, what if she's not gone, Dad? What if she's just gone ahead? She's gone ahead. She's not in our view right now. We can't see her from this view. But she's not gone. She's gone ahead. And that was the view that I took. And then when I went back to Los Angeles... A few times I would start to think of my mom and I'd start to think, I'm never going to see my mom again. I'm never going to hear my mother's voice again. I'm never going to get a hug from my mother again. And Holy Spirit, my higher Holy Spirit self, the angels, Jesus, whatever you want to call it, I kind of feel like it was Archangel Michael said to me or communicated to me, because I don't really hear voices. I just feel, think, sense things. But the message that came through was, why are you telling yourself these things when you know they're not true? I'll never see my mother again, never hear my mother's voice again, never feel my mother's hugs again. Why are you telling yourself these things when you know they're not true? And that brought me up short. And I had to look at that thought. Why would I be doing that when I know they're not true? Why would I be upsetting myself when I know it's not true? And I realized that there was a pattern in my mind that I should be upset. That if I wasn't upset, I didn't really love my mom. That my upset was a display to make sure everybody knew, including myself, that I really loved my mom. Now, when my mom passed, we were totally at peace with each other. No regrets, no resentments, nothing unhealed, no unforgiveness, all clear, 100% clear. And so when she passed... I didn't cry a lot because I felt such pure, sweet love for her and from her, for her and from her, together, in the love and in the light. And there was nothing to grieve for because everything that 
we had missed along the way, all the opportunities along the way that we had missed to be loving, to be kind, to be generous, to be patient with each other. We brought it all to resolution. We forgave ourselves. We forgave each other. We completely let all those attachments to the shoulda, woulda, couldas, we let them go. We gave them to the Holy Spirit for healing. And I really focused on that, particularly in the last year of her human life. I really did. And it, it taught me how powerful this practice is of really, truly giving it to the Holy Spirit to undo all the consequences of not only my wrong decisions, but also my mother's. I had nothing I was holding against her, and I had no regrets, no resentments and no regrets. I was so, so grateful, 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 grateful that we were able to spend the last few months of her life in that place of peace and joy. Love, unconditional love, and unconditional joy go together perfectly. When we love without conditions, we see that joy is without conditions. When our love is not love, it's conditional, then our happiness is conditional too. Then we need other people to do or not do things in order for us to be happy, and there's a constant stream of loss a constant experience of those splinters in the mind, the attachments being yanked and yanked and, and uh, like an infection, uh, like a, a, a picking at the wounds and, and, and making it worse. In the Manual for Teachers, uh, there's chapter 27, which is what is death? Death is a central dream from which all illusions stem. Think of that. Death is the central dream from which all illusions stem. Is it not madness to think of life as being born, aging, losing vitality, and dying in the end? We have asked this question before, but now we need to consider it more carefully. It is the one fixed, unchangeable belief of the world that all things in it are born only to die. This is regarded as the way of nature, not to be raised to question, but to be accepted as the natural law of life. The cyclical, the changing and unsure, the undependable and the unsteady waxing and waning in a certain way upon a certain path, all this is taken as the will of God. And no one asks if a benign creator could will this. In this perception of the universe as God created it, it would be impossible to think of God as loving. For who has decreed that all things pass away, ending in dust and disappointment and despair, can but be feared. God holds your little life in his hand, but by a thread, ready to break it off without regret or care, perhaps today, right? That's the ego's perception of God. Or if he waits, if God waits, yet is the ending certain. So that's the other belief of the ego, that death is certain. Who loves such a God knows not of love because he has denied that life is real. Death has become life's symbol. His world is now a battleground where contradiction reigns and opposites make endless war. Where there is death, is peace impossible. Death is the symbol of the fear of God. Death is the symbol of the fear of God. So remember, everything in this world is symbolic. So if we're seeing 
death and it's upsetting us, if we're seeing loss and it's upsetting us, then we must have made a wrong decision because we're not at peace. We don't have to analyze our thoughts. That's what the ego does. That's how the ego thought system operates, through analysis. It's about the intellect. That's how the ego thought system operates. Oh, I need a sip of my spiritual espresso here. We can transcend these ways of thinking. And and as far as I can tell, that's what you and I are here to do, to put an end to these beliefs. So for me, what Spirit said when I was thinking, I'll never hear my mother's voice again. The message I got from Spirit is, if you'd like to hear your mother's voice, or feel connected to her, just think of her voice. Think of the sound of her voice. Think of her, and you will be instantly connected to her. You are connected to her throughout all time and space, eternally connected to her. And that's been very helpful to me. Sometimes I've had romantic relationships or friendships that ended or seemed to end in a way that I was not happy about. And so I learned through those experiences that I could forgive myself for any part of that relationship that I didn't like. And I could have a healing. of the sense of loss. That that was within my power. And so it was up to me to discover if that was true or not. It was up to me to practice that. So I had to be willing to give up this idea that I had lost my mother. In a sense, I hadn't lost her because I knew right where she was. She was right where I am, in the infinite love of God, eternal life. And through our willingness to recognize that we are eternal, we are infinite, we are forever joined, we can mentally adapt to an awareness, okay, so... I may not have the pleasure of being with my mother's presence fully in the way of, oh, we're sitting down to dinner together, we're going for a walk together, or doing any of the things that we used to enjoy doing together. That may not occur for what seems like a while. But the thought that it's never going to happen again is not true. It's not true. We are eternal. And for myself, this is what I am intent on remembering, recognizing, and resting in. And so the same when my best friend died, that was so intense for me. But I... The only choice I could make, because it was so intense, it was so unexpected, was to give all my attachments to God, to the Holy Spirit, to Jesus, to the angels, and say, I'm going to let go of my attachments here. But you see, what what happens so often when a, a dog or a cat or a child or a parent or a spouse or a loved one of any kind any shape or form, passes away, all the attachments come up for healing 
instantly so suddenly. It's so intense. It's so intense for people when they still have a lot of guilt, you see. But I learned through my experience with my mom, I spent years addressing the guilt and the resentments and the regrets and the unforgiveness and the blame and the shame and all of that, unhooking all those attachments with my mother so that we could just be free to love each other. And anyone can do that at any time, even if someone passed away when they were a child and now they're 80 years old, you can still do it. It's never too late to relinquish the attachments. And that's really what we're here to do, to live in a new paradigm of truth and wholeness. And so this is the path of healing from loss that has worked for me, that I know works for others, because I see them doing it. I see them doing it. In fact, one of the things I'd like to share with you is I, at that time, I had so much healing with my mother, with my father, with my brother, with my family, that that's when I started my uh, family freedom spiritual boot camp class, because I felt like I went through a boot camp, that the Holy Spirit led me through a boot camp. And when I got through to the other side, to a tipping point where I began to experience peace most of the time, I created my Finding Freedom class. Now I call it Finding Freedom, but originally I called it Family Freedom. And I've been teaching it since 2008, 11 years. And I love it so much because it it's, was so liberating for me and it's been so liberating for others. And I have a wait list for the next time I'm going to offer it, which may well be um, soon. So if you'd like to be on that wait listing and, and get started, go to jenniferhadley.com, go to the Finding Freedom page, and put yourself on the wait list. Yes, because this, these practices work. We can live A Course in Miracles, and it does work. So if you're interested in really rolling up your sleeves and getting to work, please come and join me. And in the meantime, thank you for joining me right now. Thank you for being a loving support to this radio show. Thank you for your reviews and your contributions and your connections. Let's take that breath of love and gratitude and be so grateful and so thankful together that the infinite love intelligence that God is is right now in gratitude we let it be and what is amen 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 